Welcome to Inclusion Matters, produced by the Center for Inclusive Child Care, aka the CICC. We're located at inclusivechildcare.org. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast of the Center for Inclusive Child Care. I'm Cindy Croft, Director of the Center, and I'm here once again with Priscilla Weigel, one of our inclusion consultants. Welcome, Priscilla. Thanks for having me. And we have been talking in our um, podcast recently about sort of the different features of the day for um, early childhood educators and child care providers. And we wanted to talk today about mealtime. Yes. This is such uh, an important part of the day for so many reasons. And it's also a place where often we see challenging behaviors as well. Right. And it's a learning opportunity. Exactly. And I think sometimes we just think of it as more of a maintenance opportunity of got to feed these kids, got to move them out. And we were talking, too, just about the whole free play and the flexibility and all that. We And after we had turned off the tape, I think we were discussing together how critical it is to continue to always have routine and rules for that regulation of, of children and their expectations and just knowing every day is going to be the same because we have this, this, then this. And mealtimes... That, that's, that's a great anchor for a lot of kids as far as their day. They know they can sit down in a place that's just theirs, they can have their food in front of them that is just their food, and they can reconnect with their friends or their teachers and just have some time to kind of refuel all across the board. So it's an interesting um, opportunity in so many ways, and I believe I may have shared this story with you before about one child care provider who um, uh, told me once in a class that she didn't allow her children to talk during mealtime. Yeah. And we've talked about that before. Right, right. And kind of uh, mining it deeper to get at, well, what, what is the reason for that? And, and her main concern when it was all said and done was she was afraid children would choke. And, mm-hmm. and other providers in the class ha- came up with some marvelous uh, ideas for her about how they teach children to chew and to not talk when there's food in their mouths mm-hmm. because the benefits of this shared time together, this community, mm-hmm. is so critically important. Right. And I think that when you look at the research that shows just how important family meal times are for kids and their success later in, in school and in social situations and that sort of thing, you know, we have an opportunity to have that for some children who don't necessarily have that family meal time at home. Maybe that's not a time. Maybe they're parents are eating on the run or a lot of times I, I work with providers who say well it's really hard for these these kids to sit at the table this child to sit at the table during mealtime because mom and dad have shared that they stand up and eat at home because he just won't sit so how can we help that child practice sitting because you're supposed to be sitting when you're eating that's the rule so how can we help make it a more productive time for them to gain those skills and practice. That's what it's all about is practicing. How do we practice manners? Chewing, not talking with your mouth full, pe- please pass the whatever, you know, thank you, uh, I'm, I'm finished, may I be excused? Little things like that. Having the children involved in the meal preparation. An example that I was sharing with you a while back was just this long extended time of children sitting at a table waiting for their food to be served because the teacher had to put things together to make their meal. And so why not have the kids put those things together and and serve things up? Or, you know, realistically, yeah, maybe you're going to have some spills. 
maybe you're going to have some messes, but then you have a bucket and, uh, you know, nearby with a sponge and a cloth to wipe things up quickly. Or just, oh, you know what, let's go get the garbage can. Well, that one landed on the floor. That happens sometimes. It, it's all stuff that's that's useful practice for children because it shows it's not scary to be at the table and eat food. It's not overwhelming. Some children with, you know, sensory needs, some children with autism, kids with special needs, it's hard for them to sit at that table with all those bodies so close by and sometimes kids are worried that so-and-so is going to grab their food. Maybe so-and-so did grab their food a few times. How can we help them calm down and enjoy the meal time? That's where we see some challenging behaviors too. Maybe there's children who throw food at the table or, or they just putter around, they don't even eat. They just play with their food and then time is done. And oftentimes the remedy for that is, well, we're not going to talk, we're not going to interact because that's distracting to a child. Well, really, maybe it's just not having them at a table with five kids, but maybe having them at a table with three kids. Making a tape mark for his area and her area and her area so that that is just where their food is. If your food crosses over that line, you know what, that's will remind them that that's your stuff, you know. So you feel safe. It's just a way to kind of say, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We've got it covered. And that's our job. We've got it covered, the grown-up. Excellent. Those are great tips for um, everyone who's listening. I think uh, a benefit for um, family child care programs and other programs that do mixed age groups um, when they're doing family-style right. meals is having older children with the younger children. Yep. And the younger children obviously get to see the older children modeling mm-hmm. some of the more advanced behaviors and right. manners. And and, um, and the older children then have that opportunity to be a model, and that increases their sense of competence and self-efficacy, which is so important. Sure. That's right. wonderful. That's a wonderful benefit, again, to the mealtime, other than just getting the nutrition and the nourishment. Right. And exposure to a variety of foods. You know, sometimes centers have that opportunity to put broccoli on a child's plate that maybe hasn't seen broccoli or doesn't like broccoli and so at home doesn't try it. And at school, when he sees all of his friends eating it, wow, it maybe isn't so bad. Or, you know, you set it up like a bunch of trees on the plate in a blob of ranch dressing and oh it's kind of fun we need to trim our trees can you cut a few branches off of and it's different you know it's a different setting when you're there with kids your own age or other kids especially little kids who see the older children as you were saying serving the food and and passing it around and pouring it wow i want to be able to pour my own milk you know and i'm i'm still in my high chair but when i see that little picture come out i think ooh fun and so then taking that mealtime practice of pouring milk and putting it in the water table, that same pitcher, so that kids can practice that, so that when they get to the point of lunchtime and it's time to pour your milk, they've had practice. Exactly. That's a great idea. So what suggestions do you have for, for instance, a little a child who's a little pokey and finishing up and it's time to move on to the next part of the day? Looking at portion size. You know, when you have a plate heaped with a bunch of stuff that you don't necessarily think is fabulous, it's going to be a lot harder to even touch it. So a few carrots, a f- you know, like if you have cut carrots or you know, cooked vegetables, two pieces of pineapple, and a little bit of the chicken, so that it's not this huge amount, so that that child will easily be able to consume those things without running out of time, and when they do it, hey, are you done already? Seriously? Wow. Look at how well you chewed that up. Do you want some more? Okay. 
But it's instead of, oh, you got to get to the bottom of that plate. you got to clean that plate up. You know, and research is now showing, too, the clean plate club, not a good plan. We don't need to be forcing children to barrel through all this huge amount of food. The real important thing to teach them is, how does your tummy feel inside? Do you feel like it's filled to the top? If it is, then you're done. If it's not, well, you know what, maybe you could try two more bites. You know, and, and so just helping them be that, going back to that self-regulation, understanding their bodies and that feeling full, not feeling full. Are you just, you know, refusing to eat something because you've never tried it before? How's your tongue going to even know what that tastes like if you never just even licked one of those? Try licking it. See how that feels. Mm-hmm. You know, not making them chew it. And, you know, I've, I've been with kids who have had to eat stuff that they don't like and the little gag, you know, like with their mouth full, closed, and they're trying to... You know, get through it. It's an awful thing to observe. You know, you can't. That's no fun. It's no fun. Sometimes I'm asked about children with uh, particular physical uh, needs who may not be able to sit at the table for whatever reason, uh, in terms of the height of the table. And sure. so maybe they're in a wheelchair, or um, uh, so for for some reason that they're not able to reach the table. Can you give us some adaptations that would be? pretty easy fixes for providers when they're thinking about this. Well, I think if you're doing, if, if the goal is to have everyone together as much as possible, as close, to, I mean, so if that child can't really get their knees up under the table because of their wheelchair, you're not necessarily going to raise the whole table so it's super high for everybody else. You want to adapt. So maybe does that mean putting their plate on a couple blocks, those cardware, blo- uh, cardware blocks, also those, they're often seen in closet organizer stores where it's like an added shelf for um, shoes that you can put shoes on one, shoes underneath. You know, putting that on the table just to raise the child's plate so they can be independent in eating and near their friends. There's a lot of different easy things you can do that are removable when mealtime is done that you can wipe down. And, you know, the key is to be together and have everybody at that table, you know, and that's what we want to do. We want to make sure that 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 child that maybe eats differently and maybe needs different space accommodations, they still are a part of that mealtime. Great. Those are great suggestions and should be helpful to people who are listening. What else would you like to add about mealtime? It's it's a social time of the day, and I love listening to kids at mealtimes. That's one of my favorite things is the conversation at the snack table or the conversation at the lunch table and, you know, everybody fighting for that attention of their peers and getting a turn to tell a story. And, and sometimes it's the most nonsensical conversation you can ever imagine, but it's so much fun for kids to have the stage. And when else do they get that with that? size of a group and everybody's busy and engaged they're not going to be pulling away and leaving the table when their meal is in front of them it's a captive audience so to see a child just beam with that turn to talk and to share and sometimes kids have a hard time coming up with things to say if they really aren't a real talker at that group time but we want to encourage them to practice that so maybe saying hey cindy you know what i heard you went to the zoo yesterday what did you see did you see anything brown did you see anything furry you know, just kind of, even if they're, you're only going to get one-word answers, it's still a way for that child to be seen by their peers as connecting to the conversation. And that's important, exactly. important confidence building. Exactly. In your consultations, do you ever run into issues around that we haven't already talked about around mealtime? Um, the transition, you know, the, the pokey eaters and the we don't have all day to eat lunch, that type of thing is real common. Um, the child who won't even begin to eat 
because they're you know not sitting at the table. Well, a lot of times it's the chair is not the right fit for their body. Um, they're overwhelmed by the amount of food. They're overwhelmed by the noise in the classroom. You know, it's too much all concentrated right in front of them. So maybe they need some ear protection at meal times so that they can still hear the conversation, but it's not so huge and loud and Good. in their face. Um, build up you know spoons or things so that they can be independent. So adding something to the handle of a spoon so that a child can hold the spoon themselves. But also as, a, as an adult, if you see a child struggling with mealtimes, position yourself near them. You know, we are that anchor of calm and confidence for children. Mo- I mean, I hope. That's our job. Exactly. So even just sitting behind them, and if you feel if you're sensing that they're getting anxious about something, just rubbing their back during that mealtime and, and kind of just reassuring them, you know what? I'm right here. I know this is different. I know this is hard. Or, oh, look at you. It's not, maybe it's not your favorite food today, but you had this last week, remember? And you ate two bites. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, just right. little things that are important. I know. I like how you often remind us that how the teachers... Um, feeling is often how the classroom is feeling. Mm-hmm. And it's such a great uh, way for us to think about our own um, actions and the reactions of the classroom and that attitude of calmness yep. that can then permeate the children that are nearby. Mm-hmm. It just makes such a difference. Definitely. And, it, and you have to be intentional often with yes. that because sometimes we do get a little bit stressed knowing that, oh my, it's time, maybe we're supposed to be getting on a bus at 1 o'clock because we're going on a field trip. Yeah. So we also start to feel some of that anxiousness about, well, we got to wrap things up here because we do have something that we have to get to today. Yeah. yeah. And today's a little different than most days. Mm-hmm. And so we start to feel that anxiousness and the children start to feel it as yep. well and we have to regulate ourselves definitely so that we help with their regulation right and a lot of times it's just the tone of our voice we can calm ourselves down by just slowing our voice down exactly. and and bringing the decibel level down and then that exudes that feeling to the other kids kids are very intuitive they, they pick up on all that and so we want to set the stage for calm excellent well i think uh, we've had really great discussion mm-hmm. about Three of the primary areas of the day for early educators. Yeah. Um, and, and we are certainly open to suggestions. Sure. If you want to email from the website um, to let us know what they'd like to hear in our podcast yes. or through the evaluation that is part of the podcast as well. But I really appreciate you sharing your stories and your expertise with us, Priscilla. Well, it's an honor to be able to do what I do every day and get to meet all these wonderful kids and wonderful providers and you know, it's, it's just, it's an exciting job. Great. Well, thank you very much. That's all for now. See you next time.